You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome everybody to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast for week nine, the cash game review, thought process, a little bit of late swap happening, and a quick preview of the Monday night football game, a showdown slate between the Patriots and the Jets. Not very enticing, uh, but we'll get through it, and hopefully we'll bank a GPP tonight in showdown, because it definitely didn't happen yesterday. Okay, so if we are looking at the cash game lineup that I put together, I'll go through it, my thought process, and I actually ended up swapping in certain situations, so I will talk about that. So right off the bat, my main conundrum was whether I was going to pay up again at quarterback, and I should have known better, right? Last week, I even talked about it in the week eight cash game process that I pulled the trigger on Russ instead of Garoppolo because Garoppolo has such a low floor, right? He could have got benched. And the same thing was true this week. There was a ton of, there was five quarterbacks over 7K that I thought could have hit like a 30 or 40 burger, and a couple of them did. And, you know, I went with Derek Carr, and I just, I thought that it made the lineup look a little better, you know, like I didn't have to jam in a bunch of 3.5K guys that I wanted to hold my nose when I hit the, when I clicked on their name. So it just made it look a little better. And you'll see as we go through, I had a pretty balanced lineup, but it didn't work out the way that I had planned. So Derek Carr, he was fine, 14 points, I mean... I almost want to say it's not going to kill you, 14 points. Five years ago in Daily Fantasy, we were looking for, you know, 14 to 17 points out of a quarterback that costs around 5.5K. Not anymore, right? Quarterbacks that are 7, 8K are just 5Xing and you kind of need them. So I think that's something to think about going forward. At running back, I went Dalvin Cook. You know, I just thought you couldn't not click on Dalvin Cook this week. He had the best matchup on the board. He's getting 25 touches a game, and, you know, it just showed. There's really not much to say there. In my original lineup, I had Chase Edmonds. Uh, I thought that the Dolphins were going to really get gashed by the run, by Chase Edmonds. Um, You know, so far to this point in the year, they'd given up a lot of yards on the ground, not so much through the air. I thought maybe, and, you know, I, I even talked about this. I even showed some hesitation on the initial podcast because it's tough to bet on running backs that have a guy like Kyler Murray, a quarterback who loves to pull the ball and run it himself. So, you know, something to think about paying 7K nearly for a guy whose quarterback steals about half the rushing yards every game might be a tough, tough sell. Um, and at the, other, at the other running back position, Justin Jackson pulled something in warm-ups, never ended up stepping onto the field. So that is, you know, just terrible luck. At wide receiver, I went Julio and Tyler Lockett. So I paid up a little bit for two wide receivers there. I thought Julio was a smash with Ridley out. Thought Lockett operating out of the slot, avoiding Tredavious White was going to be a smash. That obviously did not end up happening. Julio had a fine enough day. You know, 17 points on 7K. Not necessarily what we want, but he didn't bury you. Plus, they were both really high-owned. So it's not that big of a deal. 
here's where things go awry for my lineup personally. So I put a min punt in. I know most people played Marcus Johnson. I also saw some people played Christian Blake. I thought that Steven Sims coming back off IR had a better shot than both of those guys to hit 10 points. Okay, It ended up not really killing my lineup um, because Marcus Johnson and Christian Blake didn't really do anything either. Um, Steven Sims only saw one target. He caught it for like six yards or something like that. So right off the bat, you know, like at this point, it's 3.30. My line was pretty much buried. Um, so I had to do something. Uh, I went Noah Fant instead of Hayden Hurst, so I lost five or six points there. I did go the Giants defense. It really wasn't even a defense I was considering, um, but it's when it came down to it, I always say this, you know, like I wasn't going to switch my lineup around to try to pay up for the Cardinals who I like better. I wasn't going to switch my lineup around to punt defense and then change stuff up elsewhere. I liked the lineup that I had and the Giants just fit. So I clicked on the Giants. They ended up being a really good option. So that worked out. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear, but like a dump truck just pulled up outside my house as soon as I hit record, of course, right? It's like Murphy's Law. The second you want to record a podcast, you know, some type of heavy machinery pulls up right outside the window. But anyway, hopefully you can't hear it. Uh, But so here was my thought process. I knew at 3.30 I had to do something, but I also didn't think I was dead to rights, right? So you know, knowing when to late swap is always something that is very, very tough to distinguish, right? So I'll tell you when you know that you absolutely have to late swap. If you don't own a highly owned player that goes off, right? Like if you didn't have Dalvin Cook after the one o'clock games, you absolutely have to late swap because a huge portion of the field is ahead of you. You need to make that up. The guys that I had that kind of flopped, Julio, Lockett, Fant, Steven Sims, um, and not so much Steven Sims, but the, the three guys that I mentioned before that, they kind of flopped, but they were owned by over 50% of the people in the, in the contest. So it wasn't that big of a hit, right? Um, but I did know that you know Josh Allen went off. Russell Wilson, even though he didn't play well, still almost hit 30 points. Deshaun Watson had a pretty good game. So I knew that I was a little bit behind. Knew that I was a little bit behind. Knew that the the players that I was going to own, namely Edmonds and Jackson, were going to be popular, right? So if you think about it this way, right? If you're behind and you own, you know, the players that you have left are popular, you're not going to pass anybody. Even if Chase Edmonds had 100 yards and two touchdowns. And even if Justin Jackson had 100 yards and two touchdowns, I wasn't going to necessarily pass players in front of me because they, the likelihood of them owning them too was good. So what I did, but here's the thing. I knew Derek Carr wasn't going to be highly owned. He, he ended up only being 6, 6% owned, I think. So what I did was I made the decision to kind of try to save half my day. I went into half my double ups and switched Carr Edmonds and Jackson to Murray, Christian Kirk, and Tony Pollard. And here was my thinking behind this. I needed low owned and I needed ceiling. So if Murray goes off and he throws for it, then, you know, 
probably Christian Kirk's going to catch a long one. That's what happened. If Tony Pollard has a decent day, you know, I knew no one was going to be on him because Zeke was ruled active. So I thought, you know, maybe it's going to turn out where Zeke re-injures himself or, you know, they go 50-50 split or Zeke is just being, is only active as an emergency. We've seen that happen before. Guys are, might, you know, almost declared out, but then they're active, but then they're just the emergency back. So I thought Pollard, Christian Kirk, and Kyler Murray gave me the best shot to kind of make up some ground. I really wish that I just changed the entire, I wish I went into the lineups page and just changed the entire lineup instead of going into specific contests and kind of just changing about 50% of the lineups. Um, What I did in head-to-heads was I kind of looked, I mean, I I played so many head-to-heads, it was really hard to go through all of them in a half hour, and you really can't even reverse engineer who people have because, you know, with three and four guys left, it could be anybody that the salary amount adds up to. So if I was just way behind, I changed, uh, for the most part, swapped it to that lineup. That lineup ended up, Murray and, and Kirk pretty much ended up smashing. Pollard didn't do too bad, but he did just as well as Chase Edmonds, so it was a wash there. Um, that lineup ended up... Let me see. I'll take a look at it. That lineup ended up scoring 163.5, um, which was like a 90th percentile lineup. And then the lineup that I originally made was like a 115 type lineup. I mean, you can't. And I was talking to guys in the 4 for 4 slack about this. You can't even fault yourself. I mean, Justin Jackson gets hurt in warmups, doesn't play. It's a goose egg. Noah Fant catches the first ball of the game for 30 yards and twists his ankle. He goes into the locker room. He ends up returning. But if you watch the game, he was basically out there just to block and you know not really even do much. He was like limping through his pass routes. So basically, you know, played this week with seven guys. And there's nothing you can do about it. Those are the breaks. There was a week earlier in this year where I didn't roster, you know, a few of the guys that got hurt. I think it was the, the week that Paris Campbell took a zero and somebody else took a zero. And I didn't have those guys and it ended up being a smash week. So you have to take the good with the bad. I don't know, maybe some years you have more good luck than bad. Hopefully that's the case. But it just goes to show you that late swapping can be crucial. That saved my day. I went from, you know, cashing probably around a 25% ROI to uh, basically a split week. Do I wish that I changed every lineup to the Murray lineup? Yes, but at that moment, I didn't think I was that far behind. Um, You know, I knew I was behind, but, you know, the downside is I could have went from, you know, winning 25 or 30% of my head-to-heads if it was a terrible swap, could have went down to 10%, you know, so you always have to think about it that way as well. That's kind of why when I do swap, I do only swap like half my lineups because, you know, I mean, unless I faded a chalky player or two that absolutely dominated, then you just have to scrap the whole lineup for the most part. Um, but, you know, you never want to swap off guys and then them and then have them smash and, you know, you ruined a week by swapping. And you never want to kind of outsmart yourself. Um, so that's why if I do think a swap is warranted, I will, you know, go through and pick the head-to-heads that I'm really trailing in and maybe only swap half my double-ups, which is what I did this week to kind of salvage the week. All right, let's talk about the Monday night 
showdown. I think this is the first week where I think you could just lock a guy. I mean, I don't see anybody on the Jets that can slide into the optimal lineup as a captain. It, it absolutely can happen, you know, but I think the odds are very, very slim. Maybe Jamison Crowder if he plays. Um, I just think that, you know, it, it's Cam has a really good shot. I could think you could potentially lock Cam into captain tonight and just try to worry about the other five flex spots. Um, I like Jacoby Myers. I like Denzel Mims. Ryan Izzo, if he's healthy, is going to be the only healthy tight end on the Patriots. Um, the Pats. D is obviously, you know, uh, Jets offense is absolutely putrid. The Pats D could rack up some points as well. So that is probably my core, who I'm building around. Um, if Damian Harris is active, I think he is a solid play. I think they could run on the Jets tonight. Um, but the, the other thing is, you know, a lot of these guys are priced up, you know, but don't be afraid to click them. Like, don't be afraid to click on a 10K Jacoby Myers or like a 9K Demir Bird. It's all relative, right? It's only one game. So it's not like you can pivot to a different game where someone else is the same price and can also hit salary-based expectations. You know, don't be squeamish about clicking on, uh, you know, 12K Denzel Mims. I don't even know what these what their prices are, but I just know that when I went through and wrote up my article for Fantasy Points, I noticed that, you know, some of the salaries are pretty eye-popping, but these guys are starters now, right? You know, if, if it was the beginning of the year and they were on the bench, they'd be 4K, 3K on this showdown slate. But they're going to be in the game playing all the snaps, getting all the targets. That is why they are 8, 9, 10K. And you just have to click on them. Um, but don't be afraid to leave some salary on the table tonight either. But that'll do it for the ride in. Uh, after two absolutely dominant weeks, um, we kind of got our ish kicked in this week. Didn't even do well in tournaments this week. Usually when I have a terrible week in cash, I do well in tournaments because I kind of hedge in tournaments by not rostering a ton of the players that I play in cash, um, but that didn't even work out. So week nine, in the books, not a good one. Men in black, erase it from the memory. We'll get back to it in week 10. Talk to you later.